This is the Press Conference Podcast, Mixtape 21, Episode 61. My name is Dave. I'm here with my host, Phil. How's it going? Not bad, man. How about you? Yeah, pretty good. All the old not bad, man. I didn't realize we were starting, so you caught me off guard, but here we go. I'm ready. Welcome to uh, Tuesday, the 23rd of January, our second episode back for the year. Yeah, this is a good one, too. You just had a great time uh, with our guest. Yeah, I think... um, Fuck, what did we do last week again? Oh, the house show. (laughs) Oh, the house show. Yeah, that's right. It was funny because we recorded that over like a few weeks. So uh, it kind of is a bit of a blur, but uh, keen to get back into the mixtape series this week. Um, and as you, you probably read, Ryan is our guest. We'll, we'll intro him a bit more later on. Uh, but what's been what's been going on? What's happened over the last week? Uh, a couple of things happened. Um, I hit up the Dying Wish Acacia Strain show um, nice. at the uh, Prince Band Room uh, in St Kilda. Probably the most picturesque venue we've got in Melbourne, I'd have to say. So then you walk out the front and you can see the beach right there. Well, not right there. Well, I was but... about to say, not inside, right? But outside. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, not inside. Yeah. <laughs> I um, Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about the... Uh, <laughs> not sure how I feel about the poles because they're much larger than the ones at the corner. But um, Sam was good. It was packed early, so... I got there just as volatile waves waves were starting, and um, they were really great. Uh, Dying Wish was sick, and the the Cage Strain were were just heavy and awesome, and just really yeah nice. Really got into it. It felt like a, a much much smaller show than it actually was. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's a good venue. I've seen a bunch of bands there, more indie indie rock stuff. But um, yeah, I reckon a heavy show would be pretty good. I think I saw Architects there. Oh, back in like 2016 or 15 or something like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's a good venue for some heavy gigs, I reckon. Mm. What about you? What did you get up to? Uh, not much. Actually, I went to the Gloom in the Corner show up here in Sydney. Uh, finally saw Heaven's Gate, which was a big highlight. Been, been big on them since they dropped their first music. Um, yeah, at the, at the Crowbar, pretty pretty standard. Um, but I broke my tooth over the weekend, so I'm coming off some dental work. So if I... Have a bit more of a slur or a lisp than normal. Um, please bear with me. <laughs> now, I have a question. I forgot to ask you this off, Mike. But did you yeah. talk with a whistle when there was a gap there? Uh, no, but my lisp was running rampant. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, I usually, because I talk quite fast anyway. I find that um, I find that I do slur my words, or I kind of like run before I can walk, kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, my lisp was was running rampant, so uh, I'm just grateful to have a tooth there now because um, my front my front trumpets. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's pretty much what's been happening. So it's been an expensive weekend. But um, what's new? What's new? That is right. What? Oh, I was going to say what we did want to talk about because we don't want to talk too long before we get to our guest because this is going to be a bit of a chunky one. Um, back to ten tracks with this guest t- this week, but. Um, obviously we talked a lot about last week around some new music that's been coming out that we've been loving. Uh, we're recording this on Monday night. Uh, we've had the new neck deep record for a few days. Uh, what do you think? I think it's really good. Um, keeping in mind that this is probably the, or this is the first neck deep record that I've kind of been hyped for on release. Like I'm really, really late to the game, but all in all, I think it was really fun. Well done record. 
Um, so yeah, I had a bit of a, a funny one with the record. So I don't, I'm not sure what it was, but on my first listen, I wasn't overly impressed or amazed like I was expecting to be. I think mm-hmm. after All Distortions Are Intentional and The Peace and the Panic, I felt like those records introduced us to a bit more ebbs and flows um, away from kind of the, the super generic pop punk stuff. Although they were still generic pop punk, there was a bit of ebbs and flow through the record. Um, some slower songs and things like that, that I just think I was probably expecting a little bit more. Um, and so when I was listening to the record the first time, we didn't get a lot of that. And I think it took me by surprise a little bit. It was very much generic pop punk, front to end, does not a heap of reprieve. Um, I think that, that I was kind of expecting from the record, especially a, a self-titled record. And I think we can talk a little bit about self-titled records in another episode because uh, I think they're... In my opinion, I think they're special in, in, in a bit of a way. Um, and I don't know if this is like the best work Nick Deep have ever done, which I would expect from a self-titled. But anyways, that's for another day. Um, it took me a while. I went for a drive, listened to it twice. And I think that's when I made up my mind and said, you know what, this record slaps. I think it's a combination of um, all distortions and the peace and the panic. Um, and I think the songwriting's great. There's just It's just what it is. And, and I, I'm here for it. Yep. Sorry, you cut it right at the end. So I feel that with you as well. I'm I'm with you. Um, I was looking for like a slow song. I feel like the vocals are like 90% of this record as well. Mm. Like a big chunk of the record is, is vocals. So I'm trying to listen for like guitars and like it's, it, it's just vocals on top of Chords basically, there's no like real little solos or anything like that where the, the songs can kind of breathe a little bit. But then you get to kind of go outside and it kind of changes a little bit. That could have been a slow song, I think. Right. I would have, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so you could have dipped it there, had a bit of a slower, maybe like even like a ballady kind of song, and then go yeah. going to take me with you. But I really enjoy it. I'm, I've listened to it three, four, five times, I think now. Yeah. And um, it's just good summer record. I'm not sure if it's my favorite, but it's in the top five. <laughs> Very clever. <laughs> um, I don't think it's their best by any means. Um, but I think it, it feels right. I feel like it's a bit more of a step back from all distortions. They're trying, they're trying, they're doing less, but it's more, if that makes sense. Um so I think, like I said to you, I've been I've been rating all my records as they come out this year out of five. Um, my score for this has changed three times since I first scored it. So I'm keen to see how it goes throughout the year and if it, it kind of holds up. Um, I mean, they're one of my favorite bands, so I mean, they probably should hold up. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And another thing, like um, just talking about like self-titled albums, maybe this is like a re-announcement of the old Neck Deep where they're kind of reannouncing themselves as a pop-punk band after All Distortions kind of copped them some flack in a way. Which I I get it. I think the the, the general punter would would want that. I don't think I want that. Uh, I I, Not that I'm moving away from generic pop-punk, but I felt like their songwriting 
was trying different stuff through the peace and the panic and all distortions. And I don't, I just don't want the same riffs. And I think this record had a few times on my first listen, gave me a bit of Blink-182 vibes. Not that I don't want Blink-182, um, but it gave me a bit of like, okay, this bass line is the exact same the whole way through. The guitars don't change. Mm. The vocals are doing the work, like you said. And I was just like, okay, I, I would like a bit of fluctuation. I think I really liked that the lyrics are changing and the vocal, like what Ben's singing about is changing. And, and I think that's relatable. Um, the music's great. It's fine. Um, it makes it sound like I'm probably shitting on this record a bit. I'm not. Um, but I, I, I'm one of the people that love the newer stuff. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold by that. Yeah. Very good. I think I like everything. All distortions is good, but obviously don't have that journey with them, but yeah, they're, they're all, they're all pretty good records. I reckon. Yeah. Cool. Well, right. should we get into the guest? Yep. Let's do it. So our guest today um, as you can tell by the header, it's uh, Ryan Evans from Tyrannic Chorus on PBS 106.7 FM in Melbourne. Um, this is something that we've been working on for a while. So thank you, uh, Ryan, for your patience as we navigated, I guess, the back end of last year got real busy for us really quick. Um, but we're stoked to be able to kick off this year with our first mixtape um, from Ryan. And uh, there's not much more to say, actually. I think the rest of the episode will do all the talking for it. Yeah. Let's get into it. Sweet. Play the smash. from Tyrannical. Oh, it's my absolute uh, pleasure. Uh, I, I love what you two do. It's really, really cool to be part of it. And yeah, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Uh, congratulations on 100 episodes as well of the show. It's uh, a pretty big milestone, especially doing it like weekly in the slot that you've had. It's like a pretty big commitment. So really proud of you for, for sticking to it. Oh, thank you so much. It's um, It's a lot of work. Like, you guys would know doing doing a podcast and everything like it's not just the content creation it's the social media stuff that you got to do as well to try and gain traction i like i do a lot of interview editing curating playlists it's a lot of work but um it's it's paying off like i'm getting really good numbers i'm getting uh really cool interviews so i can't be upset about it it's um yeah i'm i'm stoked that i get to do what i do it's really cool yeah, nice. I, I yeah, curious. yeah, 100% solo. So um, I'll, I'll walk into the oh. PBS studios every Tuesday about 11.30 p.m. Um, generally, there's only one other person there, which is Kenny, who does the show before me. Occasionally, there'll be someone else floating around. Um, and then Kenny will generally leave by like quarter past. And I'm in the studio 100% by myself until whatever time I finish up. Um, I'm, I finish up at 2. Uh, depends what time the two o'clock person rocks up but 
I'm usually there until like one thirty, completely solo. It's cool. It's really, really cool. Like they, they trust me with the building. So (laughs) I must be doing something right. Um, Yeah. And I get, I get the luxury of bringing guests in when that can be accommodated as well. I've got, got a little bit of that coming up in the next couple of weeks, which should be cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. So um, with all the tracks and stuff, I'm really interested because I used to do a little bit of a radio show probably 10 years ago on 3RPP down in in Mornington. And we used to just take records in on a Sunday afternoon and and spin them. Do you play physicals or do you just do completely digital? So I I pretty much just use digital. It's um, in terms of sound quality and everything, there's no like stuff ups if I do that. Yeah. Uh, I've done a few shows where I've actually tried, you know, spinning records and bringing a crate in and not that I can't do it, but it's challenging because then you've got to, especially if you're trying to queue up a track that's like in the middle of the record, um, the last thing you want to do is like, you know, drop the needle in the wrong spot. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. digital files all the way, it, it makes everyone's life a bit easier. Yeah. I don't miss the scramble of trying to queuing up a track because you get it to like, I'm not sure if you've done it before, Phil, but you've got half a turn to for it before it starts playing in some cases so you get it to where the music starts and you turn it backwards and just hope it's enough for it to to kind of sync up so it was a scramble it's pretty stressful at times too 100 percent. nice um i mean we're gonna ask you the hard question um that i'm sure you've been asked over the last little bit as you've hit 100 but what are some oh, of your favorite man like it's it's such a tough question because, like, I've done so many interviews and it's it's wild. Like, even thinking back to who I've interviewed is is ridiculous. Um, the there's a few that do really stand out. the The first like big interview I did uh, was Josh Smith from Northlane, and that's a really landmark one for me, I guess, because I've I've done a couple interviews with like local bands and and smaller level bands. Doing, I'm a huge Northlane simp, mm-hmm. so. Uh, that was that was definitely uh, a step in that right direction. Uh, Head from Corn was wild as well. Uh, I've been listening to Corn since I was a teenager, so uh, that was huge. Um, Howard Jones, arguably one of the greatest voices of our years. Uh, then there's a bunch of bands that I absolutely sweat that probably don't get that same level of notoriety in comparison to those few bands that I mentioned. But, you know, speaking to like Megan from Vexed or Jono from Bloom, those kind of ones are ones that I adore because I want everyone to have that little level of adoration that I have. Mm. That's awesome. I think we can relate because I think we'd interviewed maybe Alira or a few other local bands and then we got uh, Jeremy from Touche and, and, and Dave and I, like we sweat them and him crazy amount. Um, but then even like we did Finding Better Health. We spoke to Finding Better Health last year and not many people know them. They're not a big band at all. Um, but yeah, like I sweat them bad and that was probably one of the most nervous chats I've had. Um, see, I get and you've it. had some really it's, big it's... gets. Sorry, you've had some really big gets and one that... Um really stood out to me was Jim Ward from Sparta. <clears throat> Absolute legend. And it would have been so crazy to speak to him. It's uh, it is such a trip to, to like, I only aired that on my show 
couple of days ago. Yeah. I actually recorded that the week after Good Things. So I've been sitting on it for, you know, six weeks or so. Oh. Uh, I am a huge fan of At The Drive-In and Sparta and not the gyms involved, also the Mars Volta. Like they were all super influential on my musical identity. And yeah, to, to chat to someone as, as cool as Jim Ward, it was absolutely such a trip. Uh, yeah, the most lovely man, super down to earth and super easy to talk to. And yeah, it's it's mind blowing. Crazy. Um, well, we're going to get into like some of the normal questions we ask people. So we're going to strip it right back. Uh, if you can remember, uh, how did you get into music? Uh, or I guess probably more so. Uh, look, this, this isn't necessarily how I got into music, but I guess it's a precursor. Uh, when when I was a young kid, I would have been like eight or nine. I've got a really fond memory of going to um, my mum's cousin's house and then her daughter, she was 16, 17 at the time. I'd like be a normal nosy little kid and, you know, go stoke out her room and see what's happening. And it was just like wall to wall posters and it was all like metal and goth. And I was just like, whoa, what is this? And I think that that in some way kind of deep seated a, a, a love of things before I even had an appreciation for music. Uh, it probably actually came when I was about 12 or 13. Um, I had a, a really good friend that I went to scouts with and he was a, a guitarist and was definitely more like jazz and blues influenced. And then we were hanging out one day and he'd just bought Metallica, Master of Puppets. And listening to Battery for the first time, I was just absolutely blown away. Uh, and then from then, I was I was hooked. I was constantly looking for the next big thing, the next uh, thing that got that adrenaline pumping, that got that energy vibing. Uh, and I've never stopped delving down that rabbit hole. It's it's shifted, but it's it's never stopped. Nice. So um, what was the first record you purchased? Whether it be vinyl or CD, you could do both if you want. I, I could definitely do both. Uh, when I was 13, I got uh, a CD player for my birthday. So my first CD I got was a gift from my parents and it was Silver Chairs Freak Show. Uh, and then it was like a day or two oh, later, nice. I went out and bought my first physical CD, which was... Uh, no Doubt's Tragic Kingdom. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, yeah, just oh, absolutely, absolute 90s vibes. So cool. Uh, the first vinyl that I actually purchased was Gravemind's Conduit. Uh, I was, I've only been collecting since 2019. Uh, I had a handful of records that my brother had gifted me from before that, Um he, he used to work at 2400 and I'm, I'm 100% certain that he acquired all the ones legally the way that he gifted them to me. Um, but I, I didn't have a player. I didn't have anything. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And just put it in my cupboard. Uh, when when Gravemind were, were dropping Conduit, I'm like, no, I need, to, I need to get a physical copy of this. And then I just totally caught the final collecting bug and now it's out of control and I can't stop. <laughs> yeah, you get some yep. spicy mail days. Um, 
I always look forward to seeing your your purchases come in. It's uh, it's fun. I, I love sharing. I love the vinyl community. It's so wholesome and um, it's it's rad. Like I think about um, Dave the chat that we had at uh, at the Stay Gold Record Fair that that Pikey had put on, and like so fucking cool to to just hang out with mates and talk to everyone who's really like minded in the in the scene and you know. I'm really thankful that I'm get to be a part of this scene that's seems to be done with the elitism bullshit. Like everyone just wants everyone to succeed and that's what I want too. And it's, it's rad. It's so rad. I was super nervous when, cause I was probably similar to you, Ryan. I, I started, I had a handful of records of just my favorite bands that I bought over the years in merch bundles and things. And then, 2019 i started going to a few more gigs and buying some more and then through the lockdown not going to shows i was thinking well i'm just gonna buy more vinyl um but before that i was collecting like sneakers i have a massive sneaker collection um for many years before covid and um that community kind of sucks and i was really nervous when i um you know was figuring out how to buy sell swap online and i came across the palmo posting avvc page and a little bit nervous commenting in there, but that's honestly how I've met so many people that I talk to nearly every day more than uh, people that I don't, right? And uh, and I think, especially in Australia, that community and what they've done is just incredible. Um, I definitely wouldn't percent as much and, for that. And like we can talk about AVVC as being the label, but it's the community that they've created. And that to me is like yeah. the absolute pinnacle um everyone's really wholesome and caring and sharing and that to me is where the success has come from um i i know for a fact that Mm. if it wasn't for avvc starting as a label then we wouldn't have summit distro we wouldn't have stiff cut records in the dream division because they've started based on avvc success they've paved the way but it's all about the community that they've created as well. And I'm so thankful to mm. to be able to champion all of them because they're all absolute legends. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's like where I came back into vinyl collecting. So I started in like 20, 2011, 2010 and kind of dropped off a little bit and then found the U- Rest in Peace UNFD SC. And the people, a lot of people talking about vinyl in there <laughs> and I actually followed Pikey for like three years beforehand without even knowing who he was. Jumped in the UNFDSC and then um, AVC started and then it was just a breath of fresh air for, for everything. Everyone was helping people get stuff and like people doing like really nice trades and, and all that kind of stuff. And it was just really, really good and refreshing for the whole scene, I think. And you, it translates now to gigs. You, I see so many familiar faces now at shows. It's just really cool. Absolutely. The the local scene is absolutely thriving. And uh, I'm, mm. I went to uh, – I went to – both the loon and the gloom in the corner shows last week and the the crowds there were absolutely electric and so many familiar faces that I know but so many people that I don't and it's it's wonderful everyone's so accepting and everyone's just there to have a good time and listen to good music and that's what it's about 
I agree. I think even <clears throat> going to uh, like a lot of shows, obviously over the last year and things, but like you said, seeing more and more people that I've never seen before come to these shows, right? Like, where have you been this whole time? <laughs> like, and it, it's awesome. I absolutely love it. Um, especially in Melbourne. It's like, pretty cool. It is pretty cool. There, so. I'm, uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna shit can Sydney. Like Sydney does a lot of things cool, and you got a, you got some cool bands up there as well. That's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, Melbourne's Melbourne is definitely something special, and I'm I'm very fortunate to to live in this wonderful city and and see so many amazing bands and and talk to them as well. It's it's wild. Um, yeah, I think the cool thing with so many new faces at gigs is the next wave. Like all the all the young adults who are you know turning eighteen and and being able to expose themselves to this culture uh so my my oldest son logan is 18 he turned 18 march last year and he really only got into heavy music during year 12 which was the year prior and he's just fully immersed himself into this culture he's like constantly going to like ampm and and like going to all the shows and yeah uh i remember we went to we went to the thornhill show at the forum and bloom opened that and it was their first time playing mm. the forum and he's like i've never heard of this band i'm like dude bloom bloom is sick uh he was on the barrier for bloom at good things like that to me is the coolest thing because the next generation are the future of the scene <laughs> and they're going to be the next bands they're going to be the next supporters they're going to be the next podcasters they're going to be the next radio presenters they're going to be the future so we need to look after them and support them as much as we can. And welcome them in. Absolutely. <laughs> Man, I got goosebumps hearing that story. Because <laughs> we, we talk we talk a lot about uh, when we were growing up, the all-ages right? shows that Freezer used to put on and things like that. Um, and there's just nothing like that anymore. I mean, I feel like Sydney, I don't know as much as uh, Melbourne, but I'm noticing there's a lot more all-ages shows happening. And that's probably more for like your mum jeans and the front bottoms, I think, are doing all-ages and stuff like that. Um, but locally you don't see a lot of all age shows. And, and I think it's great hearing stories like that. Cause it gives me hope that even though they might be getting into it a little bit later than uh, what we did, hopefully they still find well, it. I so, went to, I went to one all ages show last year and it was incredible. And there were so many, like probably 12 to 16 year olds there, which was, that's what you want. You want that, that youth going through and you know, that's, definitely around the age that I started going to shows. And I think that's one of your questions that's coming up. So I shouldn't spoil that. But um, but no, what no, I was no, going to on. say was I went to the Gasso and it was Terminal Sleep and Fever Shack. And it was just absolutely insane. Mental. Um, and there were, you know, 150 kids in there absolutely throwing down. The scene's going to be okay. We're, the future's there. We're just going to nurture them and look after them so that they in turn will do the same when it's their turn to not pass the torch, but to welcome the next wave again. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, back onto records, what was the last record you purchased or, or received? Oh, uh, last record I purchased was uh, a day or two ago. Um, there's a really cool um, deathcore band from... Um, New Jersey called Monochromatic Black that I'm a big supporter of. Uh, they've just announced their new EP. So I they announced pre-orders. I'm like, yep, done. 
shipping is going to cost a fortune because they're you know small indie band from from New Jersey, but they are sick. So it's so so worth it. Um, very very hyped. They got a single dropping. Uh, I think tomorrow. It might be the day after because it's America. Um, most recent record that I actually received was uh, Volatile Ways Compendium. Um, that oh, so good, so so nice good. I'm I'm shattered that I didn't get to go see them yesterday, but uh, there's there's going to be so many more opportunities. They're just a band that's on this massive trajectory. Um, I saw the records announced when Secret Swarm did the the initial release, and at the time, I'm like, I can't justify shipping and cost and everything. I'm just going to hang back and wait. Uh, and when they put them on sale, they had copies of that stupid fancy out of 25 variant. I'm like, done. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I'm absolutely yes, stoked. Um, I gave it a spin the other night. It's it's a gorgeous record. They were really good last night too. So rub it in. That was so good. Um, and the singer of the Acacia Strain was like, you guys got to go and listen to Volatile Ways because that's the only reason that they're here, so they can play with them. So he's like... That's sick. <laughs> that was huge. Yes. I think, like, I think they're in for a big year. Yeah. They're catching on big time. Yeah. The room was packed. Like, it was... It was like oh, almost sold out, I think, but like everyone was there at like eight o'clock to see them as well. So it was so good to see. I will say that's one thing I really like about probably more like I wouldn't say hardcore, but that kind of side of the heavy scene um, that's less like pop punky and less old, yeah. a bit more heavier. They show up, which I really love. And I've noticed since moving to Sydney. Gigs are pretty quiet, as I've been known to talk about, but hardcore shows of any of any description, uh, people show up. Um, so yeah, as much as the, the scene's thriving, I think hardcore, hardcore is popping off all over the country, though. But especially, especially in Sydney, like the Sydney hardcore scene is amazing, and it's all thanks to Speed. Yeah, it's literally all thanks to Speed. Like, yeah, yeah, they deserve to be the biggest band in the world. Um. We've got actually one more vinyl question. That <laughs> bring it, bring it. I'm really sorry about this. <laughs> Do you have like a really cool story or, or purchasing story of vinyl or something that was quite rare or something that you just, it just popped up and you got? Um, look, I, oh, it's a hard question. No, 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 <laughs> that's okay. I've got, I've got a couple that I could talk about. Um, the one that's probably coolest is uh, I've got a copy of Antagonist AD's Old Bones Make New Bloom 7-inch. Um, that was pressed Ooh. back in, uh, 2011, maybe 2010, 2010, 2011, there, that era. Um, and when I started collecting vinyl, that was straight away the top of my grail list. Like I needed to get a copy of this. Um, but it's super limited. There was two variants. One was of 150, one was a 300. Like this, that's all there's ever going to be of that record. Uh, I... Uh, I found someone posted a copy of theirs in Mac and I was like, oh, I need to get, like I started commenting. I'm like, I need to get a copy of this. Like I absolutely sweat and tag. They're one of my favorite bands. And we just got chatting and literally six weeks later, he slid in my DMs and he's like, oh, I've got a copy of the other variant. Did you want this one? I'm like, yes, yes, I do. Um, 
we ended up trading. Nice. So I gave him uh, an old Antag hoodie from like the These Cities Our Graves era, which wasn't actually mine. It was my partner's and she'd given it to me um, like not long after we started dating. She's like, here, you can have all my old merch. I'm like, oh. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, uh, this dude was like super, super grateful to get all this like nostalgic as old merch. And I was super stoked to get a copy of this uh, pretty hard to come by record. Uh, yeah. That is hard to come by. I always see it come up and people commenting. And I yeah, very stoked. That's a good get. Um, so what was your first gig? Uh, first gig I ever went to, uh, you were mentioning the the all-ages freezer shows. Uh, I grew up in like the northern suburbs of Melbourne, so I used to frequent the Eltham Fruit Bowl, which was a, a freezer-run event. First gig I went to was there. Uh, it was regurgitator headlining. Oh, wow. That's sick. I would have been Oof. 14. I was in year nine. Yeah. Nice. I feel like everyone who's ever lived in Melbourne into the scene in any capacity has seen regurgitator or one of those kind of era bands at a small venue like that. That's uh, oh, so good. It was, it, was, uh, it was unit era as well. So like they had the... Uh, I can't remember the dude's name, but the other dude out on stage that were playing as a four piece with the guitar, um, lots of cool electronic vibes. It was, mm. yeah, it was a sick show, but yeah, regurgitated is such a, a rite of passage, especially for the, uh, the millennials in the scene, I guess. Yeah. Very cool band. Mm. And, and do you remember what your most, oh, I mean, we've spoken about your most recent gigs, but, uh, who do you reckon out of, out of the weekend, the gigs you went to, uh, maybe who was the best um, I, I can't state this lightly. Loon. And I, I mentioned this to some friends in a group chat that I was trying to get a big crowd to come, come to Loon with me and I just, I just couldn't for whatever reason, even though a bunch of my friends absolutely sweat that band as well. So it was just my son and I went to Loon. What I said in the group chat was in three to five years, these guys will be the biggest heavy band in Australia. And that's where I see them. They're just going to be on this upward trajectory. They're going to be on par with like your North Lanes and your Polaris and, and those type of bands. They were so, so fucking good. It was, it was like a flawless set mm. and like the gloom in the corner were fantastic as well. I can't, take away anything from that gloom set it was really really good uh, a bunch of the support bands were great like seeing silver fang they were incredible they got a really really bright future ahead of them prompts the korean japanese band oh my god they were fantastic as well but yeah loon uh special they're gonna be they're gonna be huge in in my honest opinion um i read I read Nick Simonson's review of the gig uh, that he wrote for Wall of Sound yeah. that he got the same vibes from when he saw North Lane play the Evelyn to, you know, a few hundred people. And it's, I haven't even spoken to him about this, but like for him to say exactly what I'm thinking, yeah, it was cool. It was very cool. Nice. They're catching on as well. I see a lot of people yeah. talking about them. 
Yeah, that's absolutely incredible. I did I did read Nick Simo's uh, article and it gave me goosebumps because I think I might have been at that show um, at the Evelyn. <clears throat> and like, I never would have guessed at that time that I, mean, I didn't know local bands like that would get that big because North Lane, I think, have exceeded even my expectations. So if Lynn can do the same. Absolutely. I'm all here for it. So I want to go back to early days. So what would be a band that you would see the most or what was your the band that you followed around when you were uh, going to your early days gigs up in up in Eltham? Yeah. Uh, the band that I've seen the most in my life is still probably the band that I've seen. Like I saw them most of the time was in my teens uh, and that's Friends of Rom. So like I grew up, on punk rock that's that's where my initial phase really kind of led me it was a weird time the 90s in australia like it it was very like the alternative rock scene if you will uh bands like regurgitator or jebediah or spider bait that kind of like pulled from so many different buckets but created their own individual sound and frenzel were different to that they were just silly punk rock and I adored them. They were never my favorite band, but they were always playing and they were always just such a good time. And I, I managed to see them you know, 13, 14 times when I was a kid. Uh, always so cool. Yeah. Yeah, they're a lot of fun, aren't they? So, yeah, it was like bands like Body Jar and, and all that kind of stuff playing all the, all the time. So, yeah, friends will... Friends will still get a, a bit of rotation in my house every now and then. Yeah, they're what was they're, um they're they're such an understated band, and you know I've been fortunate enough to chat to both Lindsay and Jay from the band. So I had Lindsay come into the studio and we did like a massive interview, and then I spoke to Jay at Good Things. Um, Jay was telling me that about his relationship with Fat Mike and working with Fat Records and that Mike said there's two types of bands that he works with. There are the bands that make me money and then there are bands like Friends of Rom. I'm like, that's fucking <laughs> incredible. Uh, they're, they're never going to be that chart-topping, super financial success, but they're always going to be a good time. Um, yeah, I, I saw them at Good Things in Sydney. They clashed with Limp Bizkit, all three good things. There was maybe maybe 300 people watching because everyone else was at Limp Bizkit and it was one of my highlights. It was so good. Awesome. Yeah, I think, I, I think I've even... They've played the most random gigs. Like, I think I saw them play at, at Hi-Fi Bar or Max Watts at, like, midnight on New Year's one year and I've just seen them play a bunch of random shows and they've always just been, like, and so much. to me, that's what music's about. Like... There's, there's so many emotions that come through with music and you can, you, everyone needs their, you know, their sad boy or their depressing tunes. And, and I certainly embody that as much as everyone else, but there, there are times when you just want to have fun and party and they're a have fun and party band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love it. I was going to ask you, Dave, um, because we've never actually had this conversation. Who do you think the band you've seen the most is uh, from like back in the day? That's a good question. I don't know. It'd probably close to like Frenzel. Uh, I, I don't know. Kiss Chasey'd be up there. 
Bobby. Yeah. yeah, I think showing my age, Dream on Dream. Yeah, and Bloom's getting up there. So I think I've seen Bloom like eight or nine times now. So I think I saw, would have seen Kiss Chasey like yeah. 15 times, maybe Friends or 10 or 12. Moving to Sydney has been the best thing that's ever happened to my Bloom obsession. So uh, <laughs> that's one of the pros of the only one. Uh, I, I, sh- I shouldn't tell you that uh, the <laughs> album's fantastic. Don't worry, I've, 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 I've had one spin of it and uh, it was, uh, I've, been, I've been trying to hold on to those memories. Oh, <laughs> until it's only, it's only a few weeks day. away. Uh, um, there's one. Uh, I listened heard, to it this morning. Recently? <laughs> uh, yes. Carve Yourself Into My Lungs is like, they played it live and then I heard it like on, on audio once and I just am itching to hear that again because that. Oh, that was one of the best songs I've ever heard. Yeah, it's, it, so. uh, it's, I'm so excited because Bloom, uh, the band that I think needs that full length album on under their belt for them to take that next level up. They've already grown and developed so yeah. much, but once the album's out, yeah. they're just going to, and they're the best dudes. They are the best dudes. I just want them to yeah. want them to succeed. I want them to go yeah. tour around the world with like counterparts. Like that's if I can never see them live again, and know, knowing that they're like living their dreams, going yeah. big overseas, that that I'll I'll sleep well. Even though I was thinking the same thing just then too, Phil. Uh, I'm like, yeah, if we never see them again, yeah. and they're just touring the world and just playing all these shows, like that. Yeah, that's the that's the key. Um, this could very quickly <laughs> derail into a blink combo. So very easy to do. Let's um, let's um, let's uh, bring it to the playlist. Let's get stuck into that. So, um, before we get into it, like, talk to us about how you approach the list. We know we've had a few people take a few different approaches. So, the way I approached the playlist was really, really difficult, but I thought it was a clever way of going about it. I wanted to create a playlist that kind of encapsulated my personal musical journey, which is challenging to do from you know being a influential teenager up to someone who's you know very very close to turning 40 uh i wanted i wanted to take people on a musical journey and see how my tastes have changed and developed and go through pieces of music that were really influential to me at different points in my life that still have a really special place in my heart I like that. That's maybe I should take that approach yeah. with just pieces of music from periods of time yeah. rather than trying to fit everything cool. in. I like that approach. Yeah. It's good. Uh, it's a great list. I had an absolute ball going through this a number of times. And well, we hit a lot of the yeah. similar points in different bands. Um, so I got introduced to, to some new bands and, and reintroduced to some old ones. So um, thank you. It's, yeah, it's a great list. Cool. Thank you so much. So we'll kick it off with the first track. So tell us about At The Drive-In's Enfilade. Right. So we were talking earlier about Jim Ward, uh, famously a member of At The Drive-In pre-Sparta. Uh, I, I still remember the first conversation I had about this record. It was like the summer in between year 11 and year 12. And one of my friends who was just like really into heavy music 
was just like, you need to check out this record. It's incredible. And back then, you know, this is the year 2000. There was no Spotify. There was no YouTube. There was no way of easily accessing these materials. So I did what anyone who was 16 in the year 2000 would do. And I went to Sanity and I bought a copy of this record. Uh, And it was a life-changing experience. Relationship of Command is still, to this day, my favourite album of all time. It's ebbs and flows. It's dynamic power. It's insane progressions. Uh, Enfilade specifically, it just has this eerie kind of intro which builds up into the the powerful chorus, uh, the spoken interludes at the start. It's an eerie track and it's intense and powerful and amazing. Uh, I was fortunate enough to see at the drive-in live at 2001 Big Day Out. This was literally two or three months after discovering this record. Yeah. Uh, you weren't moshing, were you? No, no, no. There was no moshing uh, because then Cedric Bixler-Savala would have like bleated at you like a sheep. Um, no, half the crowd was like pogoing and then half the crowd was just kind of boogieing. I was just trying to boogie, uh, being a, a good obedient teenager. Uh, but yeah, it was obviously days after the big day out that had occurred in Sydney where um, the the young girl tragically lost her life in the Limp Biscuit mosh pit before they invented the, the D barrier or, or whatever it was. Mm. Um, and it's, it's awful. And a, a band like at the driving, are so forward thinking that they were obviously trying to do the absolute opposite of encouraging everyone to mosh and, and jump all over each other. They played for 20 minutes and mm. then, and then Cedric bleated everyone like a sheep. And then they all walked off stage. And it's still probably the most amazing set that I've ever seen in my life. Have you read... Yeah, have you read the sellout book? I mean, Crazy Time. By Dan Ozzy? Uh, no. So it's a book compiled of stories about bands who had their first... Um, the, their records put out on major labels. So he does a uh, chapter on At The Drive-In, Relationship With Command like My Chemical Romance, Black Parade. And I learned so much about the band through that. And if you've got Spotify Premium, you can probably listen to the audiobook. Tells so many good stories about at the driving talks of Jim Ward and stuff like that. And it's a really good, interesting insight into the band and about kind of where they kind of came from and why they don't like moshing and, and dancing and, and all that kind of stuff. So people look at it on the surface as them kind of being like toddlers in a way. But, um, yeah, it's really interesting and deep. I'll definitely have to check that out. Absolutely. Well, should we give it a, give it a spin? Nice. But before that, I actually want to ask you, Phil, do you have much of a relationship with at the drive-in? Uh, I probably have more of a relationship with Sparta, if anything. And it actually wasn't until I met you that I realized they, yep. uh, that Jim Ward was in both bands. Um, I've listened to this record a few times, especially talking through you. Cause I know you were a fan. Um, I just don't go back to it enough. Like I enjoy it every time I listen to it and I'm thinking this is, this is great. And it, you can definitely feel it's of a time, but also it can kind of live on. 
Um, so I can definitely see why a lot of people, and you read on online all the time, yeah. people writing about this record. I just don't go back to it enough. So I just didn't really have that relationship with this band until three, three. I think it's one ago, of those so. ones that you have to start young yeah. with. It's almost like helps you shape that taste. And that, like, I obviously heard in like 2003 or four. Yeah. So I was like ready for that kind of shift tonally. And, um, yeah, it's, um, it's up yeah. there for me. It's one of the great post hardcore records of all time. I'd have to say. I think it's with post hardcore, especially, especially with what I'm listening to, especially talking with you a lot and all these guests that have come on showing us all these yeah. playlists are probably a bit different to what I usually listen to. I find myself every time I go back to listen to early records from like this time, I'm enjoying them more and more. So I think I'm kind of going through a cycle and, you know, I think everyone goes through these cycles, but I think for me, I'm, I'm kind of more and more, I'm, I'm enjoying it. So yeah, the best thing about diving back yeah. is that all of this music is eternal even if it's from a time or a place that record exists and you can put it on and listen to it and you're transported back to that time. The only thing I get nervous about listening to old records and Dave, like, you know, we talk about this all the time. (laughs) I fall in love and I fall in love hard. (laughs) And and then when the band's not around anymore, uh, it breaks my heart. (laughs) So I've got to, I've got to be careful with that. Um, I know, I know a lot of bands are kind of resurging and they're, they're comebacks and, I'm really hoping Hopes Fall come to Australia because they're one of those bands for me. Um, no, nope. <laughs> but not every band's going to come back, so I've got to be careful. Well, let's play Inflate <laughs> now, and we'll uh, play a couple after, and we'll go from there. Hello. Hello, Mother Leopard. I have your cub. You must protect her, but that will be expensive.
I know you're bad for me, you're a waste of time People tell me to stop but you're inside my head You probably won't go away until I'm dead Never seen the ditch with much when you're around When there's none of you, I'll search this whole damn town Walk through a storm just to get to you Wait forever too, cause there's nothing left to do drive-in with Enfilade, followed by Seraph's Coal, Blood Red Under Blue Skies, and then You Are the Drug by The Worst. Uh, Seraph's Coal was a song that Dave and I, or a band that Dave and I had listened to, and we both spoke earlier that we really uh, Yeah, it's it's that. kind of a weird one, but like, like I said earlier, I grew up listening to punk rock, and I really wanted something to embody that era of punk rock in this playlist, but... For me, it would have been very easy to go the token route and choose Friends or Rom or Body Jar or One Dollar Short or, you know, uh, No FX or, or something to that era. And they're all bands that I love, but Seraph's Cole for me really sticks out because of how different it sounded. It's got this dark energy to it. Um, the, the fact that the lead vocalist is the drummer is such a unique proposition as well. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I discovered this band from collecting Blunt magazine back in the day, and this track nice. was featured on, like, one of the mix CDs that they used to put out with the magazines, and I was hooked straight away. I went to Missing Link Records in the city uh, when the album came out and picked up a copy on CD, uh, it's in so many ways, it's one of the perfect 
punk rock records because it's got edge it's got pretty melodies it's got this super dark tone um and it's yeah it's hooky it's a fantastic song and they're a band that should have gotten so much more notoriety and fame than they achieved but um yeah still they've got this record out which absolutely slays and yeah i love i love this track and yeah every time i listen i'm transported back to being uh you know, 16, 17 year old punk rocker. I love that. And I think it's, it's, I mean, they, I'm, I was reading like today, they broke up like early 2000s, right? 2002. I feel like if yep. they'd stuck around, yep. these songs would have blown up. That's when the wave was. Like yeah. They missed it. Their, their sound. Well, what, when I was listening to the song, I'm thinking, okay, this song, it mustn't be that old. And then I'm like, late 90s, there's no way that. But yeah, they were they were a bit ahead Very of time much so. for a small band from Adelaide. Yeah, and I, like when it started, I'm like, oh yeah, this is good. I'm like, this is going to be like a hardcore band. And then you started seeing cleans. I'm like, oh, this is this is awesome because like it's a good juxt just juxtaposition yeah. of sounds. Like, but it works right. really well together. And I was like, yeah, it's like hooked me straight away. I'm like, I've never even heard of this band, and I just want to know more about them. So I'm definitely going to deep dive on it. I think uh, the cool thing that they did that not many other punk rock bands did back in the day was the uh, the offbeat timing, mm. and I love that. Like it's it's not Meshuggah esque by any means, but like putting that putting that offbeat meter in there for something <laughs> that's so used to just consistent four four beats, it it makes you makes you listen harder because you don't know what to expect, and yeah, it's. Yeah, they're such a cool band. Such a cool band. Um, they were the the last band that I saw live before the pandemic. Um, they did like a nostalgia throwback tour with Antiseptic. Um, and oh, they played wow. at the Corner oh, Hotel. Really? This was March 2020. Yeah, it would have been a week and a half before everything just oh. went. Damn. Yeah, and I insane mine was uh the polaris yeah. gig at the forum and uh i thought that was cut oh fine, absolutely gosh, absolutely really that polaris show at the forum was incredible um yeah but yeah it's yeah. it's so funny because i remember um i remember being at unify uh it was a, it was a 2020 unify so the ghost inside architects unify with some friends and us talking about covid yeah. like no nah, don't worry about it it's fine <laughs> don't worry about it <laughs> uh, yeah. and then <laughs> a lot changed in the next couple of months um but yeah <laughs> it was a i saw so many cool bands in that in between those two months like i saw tool at rod laver i saw cattle decapitation and revocation um i saw ginger and then yeah the last show i saw was uh was seraph skull and antiseptic wild um well i mean the next track in the playlist was you are drug by the worst uh which i'm curious to hear cool. about this, this one. is uh, a different song and i know not a lot of people are going to know this at all but uh it's a cool story so back in the day i used to play in a punk rock band and i was a bass guitarist and i yelled some stuff sometimes uh we were not very good but we played a bunch of shows because the punk rock scene was fun. And that was just what we did. Um, we had our 
brother band, if you will, and our brother band was the worst. Uh, we played. No, no, no! It's not my band. It's it's my it's my friend's band, and they were they were our peers, but also our idols because they were doing everything that we could have and should have been doing, but so much better. They had better songwriting, better structure. They had better musicianship. I think looking back at my old band, we just used to drink too much and smoke too much and and didn't actually achieve anything. Um, These guys actually did it too, but they were actually able to own and and kill it on the instruments. Um, I've just got so many fond memories of playing a million shows with these guys and they definitely didn't achieve the heights that they could have or should have with their songwriting and their, their, their powerful energy, but they've created some incredible stuff and I'm forever going to be a fan. The, um, I mentioned earlier that I've got an 18 year old son. So I actually met his mum through this scene as well. Uh, and she was the sister of the guitarist in this band. So my son's uncle plays in this band and he actually works with him now. It's kind of funny. He's definitely going to listen to this and be like, dad, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, uh, they're, they're still mates and like, they're, they're still really, really cool dudes. And this song in particular, you are drug. It was written at a time where the vocalist Simon was kind of super depressed and dealing with um, with substance abuse problems as you know is prevalent in not just society but especially in our scene uh, and it's a really cool lens to kind of look at what you can do to empower yourself to make positive changes <laughs> not the story I was expecting at all good but good it, it was great so they actually named themselves incorrectly so they're not the worst no, they're the best. They're the best. <laughs> yeah, no. Sorry. Oh, okay. That was so bad. <laughs> We're all thinking it, don't worry. Um, no, that's great. I mean, crazy story. And um, are we allowed to talk no, about it? No, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. So, anyway. yeah, my my old punk band was called The Boots. Um, you can you can find us on Spotify if you want to go down that rabbit hole. It's 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 probably not worthwhile. Uh, we we recorded an album in two thousand three called Eat Poison, um, and it's just stupid punk rock songs and yeah, very much of that time, if you will. Um, but we had fun. You know, we we did a tour once. Um, did some shows in. Sydney in 07. Um, But yeah, we just kind of fizzled out. Like this band started when we were all teenagers and um, it was always my dream and my passion to do something musically. And I found myself wanting to do something more and wanting to do something different. And at the same time, our drummer was becoming more and more inaccessible due to his work style and it just kind of gradually faded away. Uh, Then we did a a breakup show in 2011 uh, and that was 
the official end of the era. We've played a couple of shows since then, but like I don't think since 2014 or 15 we've actually properly played. Or it's been a long time since I've seen those guys wow. as well. But um, yeah, it's that was a, a that was an absolute time in my life, and you know those memories are, are never going to fade. And I, I learned a lot from how bands operate and the do's and do nots. Um, yeah, it was a good time. Nice. A lot of bands don't even get out of the, the living room or the, the garage, so to speak. So that's a that's an effort in itself. So Yeah. Mad and I think one thing we've learned from doing this podcast is it is not easy yeah. to sustain a band by any means possible. Um so anyone who does it at, in any capacity, I just have mad respect for because uh, I don't think, uh, like Dave and I, we talk about all the time, like we just do yep. a podcast <laughs> and we sometimes find it hard, let alone orchestrating a band and do her touring and playing gigs. Like The effort and the, the energy that you need to put hard. into a project like that. It's, it's, uh, the greater public don't really realize. Um, and for, for us, we were a shitty punk band that didn't care and we wrote stupid songs and it was fun, but the best. Um, I, I then, I did have a more serious project after that where we put a lot of time and a lot of energy into that also didn't go to fruition, but like the amount of resources that we put into that, it's, um, I think about so much better bands that are in the scene now and the amount of funds that would have gone into these projects. Like it's phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Um, power to them, and that's why I think we got to yeah. support hundred percent the best we can. <laughs> Which we talk about yeah. half the reason. That's why I do radio. Too. Like yeah, that's no. to support the bands, support the music. Absolutely. So the next, the next song we've got is uh, "Propaganda" back to the Motor League. So that's off to today's Empire's Tomorrow's. I keep forgetting the name. Of Tomorrow's this. Ashes. Tomorrow's Ashes. Yeah. So yeah, another two thousand banger. Absolutely. Um, so I was exposed to propaganda through the old Fat Wreck compilations like Survival of the Fattest or um, I can't think of the other titles, but like those, those style of, of old comp records were really, really cool to expose people mm. to so many different bands. And I guess that's kind of what playlists do now mm-hmm. in a way. Um First song I ever heard by Propagandi was and you and we thought the nation states were a bad idea. And I was just mesmerized by how they were a punk band that had thrash metal influences and were doing something so unique. Like there's no band on the planet that sounds like Propagandi and they were just mm. so politically charged. Like um I one of the first like metal bands that I listened to was Rage Against the Machine and they just seemed to be uh, 10 steps ahead of that politically charged energy. And I don't say that lightly. Like it's, um, they're just mm. such a cool band. And today's empires, tomorrow's ashes came out and it was like a five year gap in between less talk, more rock in 96 and, and that album coming out in 2001. And it was, and still is an absolute masterpiece. Like it's, oh, this is a very loaded statement, but, when you think about the term metalcore, 
it's the combination of metal and hardcore. And this, in my opinion, is one of the first metalcore albums. I know there's stuff from the 90s which supersedes it, and I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but this was really influential in me finding my sound and who I am. And it's just such a powerful record. There's driving riffs. They're a band that don't write to the standard formula like every other band does. There's no verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge. It's just like part A, part B, part C, part D. It's it's very different. This whole record I could listen to on repeat every day for the rest of my life and not get bored. And every day I'll pick a new favorite song. Mm. And it's been, yeah, 22, 23 years since this record came out and I still I still spin it all the time. Um, yeah, Back to the Motor League was probably the first song that really caught me and it's the one that I probably find myself going back to more often. It's, uh, yeah, very cool track. Yeah. I love Propaganda. I got on in like nice. 2009. I don't even know how I missed them. But Supporting Cast came out and they were, um, Stu Harvey was playing on uh, on Short, Fast, Loud. And I'm like, what is this band? And went all the way back through. Um, yeah, How to Clean Everything is like not a no effects record, basically. It sounds very no effectsy. So Absolutely. <laughs> um, but uh, even Fat Mike said said that himself. Uh, it kind of inspired him in that direction through that time. But this this year, this get group of albums are so good. Um, City Limits, and yeah, it's just mm. so much high energy, hardcore punk, thrashy, riffy. It's just got everything. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, they they don't have. Aside from how to clean everything, <laughs> they don't have any bad albums. Like even Victory Lap has got so many, so much to love about it. Um, but yeah, especially, especially um, supporting cast, Potemkin City Limits, and today's Empire Tomorrow's Ashes. Those three records are just incredible. I love um, D Coach's Corner. I just, oh, that's all. I just love the. The sample at the start and then the build up and then like, yeah. Um, have you heard that song, Phil? Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually was going to say, so my relationship with uh, Propaganda is quite like crazy because I, I mean, I think a lot of people go through this whole politically charged punk kind of journey and I was listening to bands like <laughs> Redacted and... Uh, <laughs> Rage Against the Machine and things like that. Um, but there's one in particular that I loved, and uh, I've spoken to you about it before, Dave. But uh, um, uh, through them, I found Propaganda. And like you said, Ryan, it's just so politically charged to the point where I was like, this is intense uh, compared to other stuff I'd listen to. And um, yes, I actually went through a big binge back in the day, but I, I don't go back. No, 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 I was Sorry, just saying, no, that, saying that is one of my favorite songs, and that's what got me into the band. And yeah, it's just so politically charged. And I just. Yeah, they can't really do much wrong. And they're still such a force live as well. Uh, they did an Australian tour for Victory Lap. It would have been, I think, maybe 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just they're just sensational live. That was the, yeah, that was the first time that I actually got to see them live. And 
from being someone who'd listened to them since the nineties, it was a very special moment. And I just want them to, I want them to come back. I hope that they hope there's more material in them. They're definitely a band that does uh, quality over quantity, even if they've got a, a B-sides album titled something separate to, to that comment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's good well let, let's uh let's load that one up and a few other tracks this is a really cool bracket so enjoy these tracks and we'll see you on the other side i like the party fucking hard i like my rock and roll the same don't give a fuck if i burn out don't give a fuck if i fade away Back to the murder league with me Before I force the face the wrath of a well of my public Who lit my chariot bleed through Torching out his college rights for punching my problem Back to the murder league I go What's that I drew a lucky hand turned out to be a live grenade Oh my god, oh shit
interesting, or that was disgusting. It's your call. <laughs> Propagandi back to the Motor League. Then we had the Black Dahlia murder with a vulgar picture and antagonist AD with respect. So tell us about the Black Dahlia murder. Uh yeah, when when I was uh when I was living with uh my ex-partner and and my son when he was really young, we we rented a place and we couldn't really afford to do a lot. And my younger brother at the time had just turned 18 and he, he had an eye river full of music. Remember eye rivers? Yeah. Um, and he used to come over like once a month and just like, hey, plug this in the computer. You need to listen to this record. You need to listen to this record. And I didn't have a lot of time to 
delve into this music because I was, you know, working full time and dealing with the, uh, you know, uh, being in a challenging financial situation, quite stressed and, and being a new parent at a very young age, it was, it was hard. Um, and he kept going back to me, like, especially these two bands, you need to listen to these two bands. Uh, one was Parkway Drive and the second was the Black Dahlia Murder. And I remember listening to Don't Close Your Eyes by Parkway and like enjoying it, but not going back to it initially. And then it would have been late 2006 and uh, my ex and I split up and I moved back home with mum and dad. And I just had this, not this defeatist attitude, but like, it was a big change in my life from like being this grown up who had gone out into the world and started a family to being someone who, you know, all, all the walls kind of came crumbling down and I was dealing with, you know, all that changes. Mm. All of a sudden I am surrounded by my family again. And while that had a lot of challenges, it also was a real blessing in disguise because I got to hang out with my brothers all the time that, I was only fortunate enough to see like once a month at the time. And yeah, my brother's like, you need to check out this band. I've been telling you for months, you're going to (laughs) absolutely love it. I think it was like another two months after that, that I actually checked it out. And I kicked off the high river. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I'm still kicking myself because, um, my brother and his best mate went to see the Black Dahlia murder in, 2006 and I could have gone and I chose not to because I was too busy dwelling in my own bullshit. Um, his mate Joe had come around and this was back when like MySpace was a thing and you had like your profile songs and he's like, check this out and yes. just played. I'm pretty sure it was, uh, oh, it was another song off my asthma. It wasn't, it wasn't, um, uh, I can't even think of the name of the track. Um, uh, Flies, maybe. Um, I was just blown away. Absolutely blown away by the speed and the intensity and the aggression. But at the same time, this underlying melody. And it was like a switch being flicked in my brain. I'm like, holy shit why the fuck didn't I listen to you like six months ago when you were trying to get me to listen to this music? Um, and it's my own stubborn fault. Like I, I'm stupid and I should have. Um, I absolutely adore the Black Dining Murder. Like to this day, they're still probably my favorite band. Um, I was, I was heartbroken when, when Trevor passed away. Uh, I, love every one of their records for different reasons, but Miasma as a whole, as a record, it, it just holds a really special place in my heart because that was the era that I started listening to them. Um, I went to see them when they toured again next, which was about a year later. So I didn't have to wait too long to go see them live. Um, and they were just not flawless because it was 2007. There was still a lot of sloppiness, but like it was energy and aggression (laughs) encapsulated and they played a vulgar picture live. And 
I could barely process the triplets in that song in my head, let alone watch them on stage at the Corner Hotel. <laughs> um, I just, yeah, I can't, I can't even process as someone who played shitty bass guitar in a shitty punk rock band to watching these wizards play at such frenetic speeds. It was, it was <laughs> rad. Yeah. Such a, a very cool record and, and a really iconic period in my time. That's awesome. I think everyone's had their, have you had your moment with no. uh, the Black Dahlia murder, Dave? No. I think Nocturnal was one of those records that got me into, I mean, that was an iconic album, right? And I think when I was getting into heavy music, you're given a few that was in there. Um, and yeah, I think I had my moment with them and definitely influenced a lot of the music I like today. But yeah, they, they yeah, a lot of that, de- a lot of the death Nocturnal metal stuff, a lot of the death metal stuff hasn't really grabbed me as much as it probably could have. So it's another one that's kind of adding to my list of stuff to listen to. And like, I've got a lot of love for death metal and there's so many routes that I've could have gone down with this playlist as well, but trying to keep it to 10 tracks is limiting. Yeah. Uh, it's really hard. Um, so I felt like limiting it to just the one death metal track and being my favorite death metal band was, was the only way to do it. But yeah, I've got a lot of love for, for so many death metal yeah. bands. Like, I could have very easily put a job for a cowboy track in there. I absolutely adore job for a cowboy as well. But like, yeah, um, yeah, Dahlia, there's something special, and and they're coming back in April, and they're playing like my partner's pregnant, and they're playing like the day after Bubs is due, and I'm like, do I buy a ticket or not? Like, yeah, you go. <laughs> um. <laughs> I mean, Sorry. I mean, the baby's probably going to be a couple of weeks early. It should be okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, uh, Candace is definitely yeah. not going to listen to this. I'll get away with it. Yeah. <laughs> Your secret's safe with us. Oh, uh, thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In um, in too. early April. That's gonna be I'm good. North yeah. oh, At least, like it's okay. it's close to home as well, so I don't have to go all the way out to the city. Yeah, very good. It's fine. <laughs> I'll I'll make it work. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. It's just so hard to find a park out there. True. <laughs> very true. Um, I mean, the next track is. Oh, for, awesome band. Uh, so Antag. Uh, why? What, I mean, why them? I mean, I, I think I know why, but um, why this track oh, as well? I fucking love Antag. Hey, uh, the I can pinpoint my love of Antag to one night in particular, and I was I was talking just before with my story about the Black Dahlia murder and and how my my brother and his best mate really kind of forced it upon me. And almost the same thing happened with Antagonist AD, just in a different fashion. Um, We went to see Parkway Drive in, I think it was 2008. And they did a headline tour. This was like Mm. post-Horizons, pre-Deep Blue. Uh, It would have been at, I think 170 Russell and, and Joe came and, and picked us up and we get in the car and he starts playing these cities, our graves. 
I'm like, why the fuck are we listening to this? Why aren't we listening to Horizons? Like, surely we get ourselves into Horizons. He's like, nah, dude, Antag, they're sick. Um, we, I think, listened to that album twice through on the drive from the Burbs to the city because it's quite a short album. There's only nine tracks on it and, you know, one of them's an intro track. So, like, it's mm. short, punishing, hardcore. Antag opened that night and just blew me away. Their energy, their aggression, they're also a very, um, not, not as political in the same sense as like propaganda, but like they're, they're a band that aren't afraid to, you know, speak their mind and speak their truth and own their truth. Um, I, I love respect because for me, respect is key in everything we do, whether it's your professional life, whether it's your relationships, whether it's, you know, hanging out with your friends. If you don't give respect and show respect, then you're never going to receive respect. And that's pretty much a a mantra for how I live my life. There's so many scumbags out there that do dodgy shit. And I'm not going to elaborate on that statement. You can put the, uh, the two and two between that, but, um, (laughs) If we lived in a world where more people showed respect and there were less scumbags, the world would be a better place. Absolutely. Yeah. I actually love that sentiment because I didn't get into them in this record. I waited till uh, the next one. Was it uh, Old Bones, I think? Um, and I think I saw them play shows on that run. And I think it was one of the first times when I was getting into hardcore bands who were not politically charged like you said but yes. the values they talk more about the values rather than just like getting pissed and you know it's like growing up listening to hardcore I was like that's a cool thing to do is just getting pissed with your mates and having fun and that's hardcore right but then they were one of the first bands in the local scene anyway like seeing them play locally that would kind of preach those those values um and even if it was just like a few comments made on stage it was just different to the other bands um and yeah I mean yeah, that story is just, I think, what they stand for in a lot of their music as well. And I think a lot of hardcore bands followed that. Absolutely. That and like in the late 2010s, early um, 2010s. We were speaking earlier about how the Australian scenes had this real hardcore takeover and how bands like Speed have kind of really paved the way. But in a lot of instances, like Antag were doing it before any of those bands. And they've really been the precursor yeah. to all of that. And they're likely not going to be the band that's going to get that level of fame or notoriety. Like all these bands are going to blow up 10 times bigger than Antagonist ever will be. No. But they wouldn't be the bands that they are if it wasn't for bands like Antag doing their thing in the first place. So, yeah. Um, I, I should point out that like Agreed. I say we is an Australian scene because they, they play in the Australian scene, but they are very much a New Zealand band. Um I've, I've interviewed Sam twice and he's called me out on that both times. So if I don't, <laughs> if I don't keep put that in there, um, he's like, no, we're in New Zealand. Oh, I, no, you are in New Zealand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're just one big country. That's the way I say yeah, it. Right? Absolutely. We're, absolutely. we're all the same. <laughs> when I found out that, when I realized that they were actually like a true New Zealand band, I was like, they flew over here for this. <laughs> Like they're playing at a they're playing at a Footscray Community Center in like a gym, and I'm thinking, why'd they come here from New Zealand for this? 
<laughs> so good. I know the days. So the next yeah. um, song on the list is Gotham City Heart Attack. When I'm in my chariot, I'm invincible and I don't care if I kill you. Talk yeah. about these guys. I've never heard about this band. Cool. Um, never. I think that's what I, I really love about doing this proposition as well is that I can expose people to things that they may have missed completely. Uh, Gotham were a real local band in my my scene. Um, they they kind of cut their teeth uh, in the, the northern suburbs of Melbourne. They did this real cool thing of incorporating electronic music into heavy stuff well before it was the common thing to do. Like, this is mid-2000s. They played as a six-piece with, like, a keyboard or sampler. That was not a common thing at all. They were just very ahead of their time. Uh, I actually used to work with with uh, Benny, the, the vocalist. We, we used to work together at KFC back in the day. Shout out Zinger Boxes. Um, he's, uh, he's an absolutely lovely man and an incredible vocalist. Um, I, I mentioned before about how like I separated from my ex and moved back in with mum and dad and, and dealing with all this stuff. I remember the day that I moved back in and like, I had like a backpack with clothes and all my shit was still at my other place. And I'm like, I'll go get it in due, to, due course. I had nothing. I had virtually nothing. And um, I was sleeping in what was my old bedroom, but it had been converted to a spare room. And there was a little shitty boom box. And uh, my brother's like, listen to this. And he gives me the CD. And it was their EP, White Noise. And I played the absolute fuck out of that record. Like, I, I listened to it like hundreds of times. Um such a different band for that time period. Um, real in your face, real intense, but moments of real melody and beauty found within. Uh, it was like pretty chaos. That's probably the best way that I could describe it. Um, they were, they were very much uh, an Icarus, if you will. They flew too close to the sun and they they died uh, in the sense that they were a band that like, couldn't sustain their own intensity. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would love... Everyone who listens to heavy music and likes metal or hardcore or anything in between, I think that they will enjoy Gotham City Heart Attack and... I would encourage them all to listen to all their stuff, especially the White Noise EP. Um, when I'm in, in my chariot, I'm invincible and I don't care if I kill you is my favorite track from that record. But those, all six of those songs on that record are incredible. Um, and that, yeah, it helped me through a lot of dark times. Helped me through a lot of dark times. And yeah, it's it's weird that like, Everyone's got those records that you put on when, you know, you're you're sad or you're depressed or you're going through something. And, you know, when I was when I was a teenager it would be, you know, maybe it was Nirvana or maybe it was Jeff Buckley or, or something. And like there's still stuff that I'd I'd put in that same notion, but yeah, Gotham City Heart Attack is the one that I still put on to this day when like I'm I'm having a, a Menti B. Yeah. 
it's it's powerful. I think this was my favorite song on the whole playlist. Uh, I think it just, and I mean, Dave, we probably, I'm assuming we might have similar mm-hmm. thoughts because I know we don't usually tend to talk too much about too many of the songs. Um, but at the start, I was like, what's this? And then I was like, oh, what's this? <laughs> and then, you know, like three or four times in the first minute, I was like, this is like crazy. And it's like that screamo, but like you said, a bit synthy and there's just shit going on everywhere. Um, and I'm listening to a heap of shit like that at the moment. So this was just a, a nice surprise. And I'm just looking now. There's five monthly listeners. So if you're into like some underground <laughs> shit, this is the bit yeah. for you. <laughs> I absolutely love this track AKA too. Dave. So, and another one for the list, we will say. But um, yeah, it was a yeah, it was a, a really cool surprise and and just yeah, as you said, just mo- does everything, does everything. I think uh, my favorite part of the whole track is the uh, the breakdown, but it's got like the the keyboard loop in there. Like I won't spoil it because it's a it's about to get spun, but like it's it's so niche and so early 2000s but it's gorgeous just makes me want to like punch holes in the drywall in the best possible way of being a kyle and drinking monster yeah it's 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 fun (laughs) yeah um i feel like they're another band that if they, they maybe stuck around a few more years when myspace got just that little bit bigger I know MySpace was already big, but you know, just that that real niche screamo stuff started becoming a bit more popular um, a few years after the 2006 when it looks like the white noise came out. Um, ah, they could have, I mean, maybe done a little bit more, but <laughs> they're still a, a niche band. But ah, man, so absolutely, cool. yeah, they they could have and should have had a, a much more successful career, but that happens to so many bands. It happens to so many bands that yeah, so many. Well, let's uh, load that one up. Um, and we've got... Yep. This is the last, last bracket. bracket before the end. Is that right? Yeah, we're nearly at the end. So let's uh, load that up.
So at the top there, we had when I'm in my chariot, I'm invincible and I don't care if I kill you by Gotham City Heart Attack, followed by Mercy uh, by the Ghost Inside, and then It's Not the End by Vex. Oh, yeah. Heavy hitters. Uh, um, about the Ghost like Inside. most Australians who are big The Ghost Inside fans, it was 2008. It was the Say Goodbye Tour with Prom Queen and Broom of the Horizon, the return of the Redshaw, and then the ghost inside opening up that tour and I just caught the bug. They were the perfect blend of so many different things that I loved in music. It was like, you know, the big sing-alongs that you get in like the punk rock, the huge breakdowns that you get in your hardcore and then riffs. Um, it was, it was absolute love at first listen. And I, saw the ghost inside on so many different tours from that first time in 2008 all the way up to you know modern day um when when uh the the uh bus accident happened it was so tragic and everyone was everyone was so shocked and so sad and no one would have thought anything if the band decided that was the end of the band like there were no expectations on them to continue no way yeah in between that time period of the accident was when i started dating my current partner candace and and she is an even bigger ghost inside fan than i am like like absolute top tier simp she used to go, <laughs> I told her, I'm like, I'm going to talk about you on the pod tonight, but like, you're not going to listen anyway. So it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> um, we'll clip it for her. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so she used to go, like Ghost Inside would come out for a tour and she'd take like two weeks off work and go to like every city and go to every single show. Whoa. Like she would be in John oh, Vigil's DMs and just be like, hey, I'm going to this show. And they'd be like, yeah, cool. I'll put you on the door. Like hundred percent, like, a grade sip. And when we started dating, like it was very early days, you know, we're you know, chatting and Snapchatting and shit. And I think I had like a suicide silence hoodie on or something. And she's like, Oh, you like suicide silence? I'm like, no way you like heavy music. And <laughs> the love just started. And yeah, the, the one super constant was, was uh, the ghost inside. When um, when they had their long-awaited reunion show at the Shrine, um, Candace tried to buy tickets and then it sold out like instantly because it was such a small cap. And then a few months later, it was announced that it was moving to outside of the Shrine. So there was like double the capacity. Um, Candy got up at like 3.30 in the morning and she managed to get tickets and... We planned an entire American holiday around going to the the Shrine show and seeing the ghost inside. Um, it was nice. One like it's the most special gig that I've ever been to in the sense that you know when else are you going to travel sixteen thousand kilometers away and and go see one of your favorite bands playing in their hometown after yeah. their first gig in four years? Like it's it was special, and the fact that I got to share it with my now life partner is also incredibly special. Um, This is 
not one of my favorite songs. This is one of Candace's favorite songs. So Mercy, um, yeah, it's oh, it's special like and it's it's for her because uh, I love her and I need to champion her. And yeah, she she gives me so much freedom to uh, put in the amount of time and energy and effort that I have to for for radio and everything. And I wouldn't be. I would meet a person home today without her love and support. So, yeah, that one's for her. That's really nice. That's sweet. I love that. Um, that's true. I mean, like, shout out to the partners. It's not easy doing. It's time consuming. Like, I'm sure it pisses them off. But, uh, oh. um, no, uh, that's great. I mean, great way to choose one of your songs in the mixtape. Um, I mean, if she do, if she does listen to this, yep. <laughs> if not, Dave, clip it up. <laughs> so we both, Phil, you and I, big Ghost Inside fans, been around since day one. I remember mm. going to a show in like I think it was like the Seaford Hall or something, and we're all singing along. And Vigil goes, "How do you guys know the words?" And someone yells out. It got leaked. <laughs> so it got leaked in Australia. And he was like, it, like, so cool. He got straight past the, the leak part and was like, it's so good that people in, in Australia know these words and are already on board and that's why they come yeah. back so often. And, and I think there are a few bands like that. Yep. Like the Ghost Inside and the Architects of Two that come to mind, they feel like Aussie bands, even though they're not. I think Australia just has such a, a love for... I guess metalcore or that metalcore hardcore type stuff, especially yeah. their brand of it. I don't know. It just it just hits. I think Alexis and, uh, on fire. Another one that are um, like that too. They come back I a lot. Most... Oh yeah, true. Um, yeah. I hope the ghost Full inside tilt. come back soon. I was spewing when Full they, tilt. Uh, what was that festival called? Full tilt got canned. Fuck. I was filthy. I tickets to. Um, I I think it's it's not an if it's a when. Yeah, filthy on it. Um, and. For yeah, it's very easy as an as an Aussie to just get up in your grills and like, why are these bands coming out to tour? It's such a financial investment for bands of any size to be able to come all the way out to oh, yeah. Australia, and like Australia is such a lucrative market. Like they can they can be quite profitable if it's done right, if it's the right booking agency, the right show size, the right caps, etc. Yeah, but it's still a big investment in not just money, but like time, like the, the amount of time they have to fly out here. It's not like they can just jump in a bus mm. and drive four hours to the next city like they do in the States or in Europe. You've literally got to fly to every single show. Um, it's it's a big investment. It will happen. I guarantee it will happen. I'm, I'm not saying that I know anything on the inside because I don't. No, sure. I don't at all. But um, I know <laughs> I know that there's more music coming yep. that that i do know um so okay. in my opinion as someone who you know gets to present music and talk music it would make sense for them to come out and tour not just the self-titled album from 2020 but also the new stuff that's on the horizon it'll it'll be a and a when not an if hopefully sooner rather than later but those new singles that they've, those new singles they've already released, are, are really enjoying. A little bit different, but like still them. Yeah, I can't wait for more. So good. Um, yeah, nice. Uh, 
so the second last track, uh, the last track we'll talk to you before we talk about the last one, um, It's Not The End by Vexed, a band I didn't know about until today, or this when you sent me this last year. Uh, so Vexed is a band that my best mate introduced me to. Um, so in the early days of my radio show, I was doing a fortnightly graveyard show and not that I was trying to pad time, but I wanted to get different influences and different perspectives. So uh, my my best mate has the most cooked Spotify algorithm um, <laughs> and he's always able to show me, oh, check out this band. It's got like 37 monthly listeners. I'm like, how the fuck do you find this shit? Um, and That's Vex me. was one of those bands. And <laughs> it, was, it was one of those moments where I just put it on and like within seconds, I'm like, oh my God, these guys are like the best. And they are. They, they're UK deathcore new metal vibe. So it's a very eclectic mix. Uh, the vocalist Megan Target has this angelic voice, but at the same time, just these incredible, brutal screams. Um, I hate I hate comparing female vocalists to other female vocalists. I think that that's dodgy and toxic, but everyone seems to go, oh, Tatiana from Ginger, oh, Courtney from Spirit Box. And like, I love both those bands. I think that Megan deserves to be looked at as being as good as those bands because she's got such a powerful voice. Um, this, this track that I chose, It's Not The End, is from their most recent album, Negative Energy, which came out six months ago, 2023. Um, and I was lucky enough to talk to Megan about how the album came about. Uh, is their second album that they put out on uh, on Napalm. And their first album was like exceeded expectations, but it came out during COVID. And so they didn't get to tour it or celebrate it the way that they should have. Um, she was raised by her grandparents. And the day after the debut album dropped, her granddad died. And Oh, wow. Not only did she not have the opportunity to celebrate, but she also didn't have the opportunity to grieve. And a lot of these emotions just kind of got pent up. They got drip feed tours, whereas, um, you know, everything opened back up. And then things get locked down again. Mm. And, and it came time to work on the second album. And they were working on it for about six months and it pretty much all went in the bin and the band were like this close to pulling the pin because they just couldn't get what they needed to happen. Took a little bit of a break, reevaluated a bunch of things and, and realized, no, we need to write a really, really angry, depressed record and, and deal with everything that's happening. And they did. And this song in particular is basically an ode to her granddad who who raised her and uh, it's such a sad song but it's also so beautiful it's so heavy her vocals are so incredibly powerful um and yeah i i crazy yeah wish nothing but the best for vexed and they've got a really huge year they're currently touring Europe with Cabal, they're going to go to the States for the first time with Carnifex. Like they're they're a band that 
I want to have that upward trajectory for. I want them to be able to come to Australia and tour because that's likely to be the only way that I'm going to get to see them. Um, if if you like heavy, powerful, emotive music, you will like Vexed. I think what I loved about, and I think you summed it up perfectly just there at the end, but what I loved about this track, and, and we talk it all about it all the time, is from a vocal point of view, you're right, it, it reminds me of Deathcore, but I think instrumentally, uh, and even with the, the cleans that kind of are throughout the song, it, it's so melodic at the same time, and it's kind of this just this essence, this aura of, of a track um, that I, I really took took my breath away, to be honest, when we listened to it, and um, I yeah. didn't realize they were that new of a band. Either. Yeah, I think um, their their first track was like 2018. So that's crazy that story. So yeah, quite fresh. Yeah, wow. Yeah, the COVID bubble would have yeah not gone well for them. Uh, but yeah, this track was really really moving, and to pair it up with the next one, uh, kind of really went well. I think it's a, a good pairing, a good kind of transition to towards the end of the playlist. And what I'm guessing is modern day Ryan's palette. Correct. 100% correct. Yeah. So the the next song is uh, Relica with Sean Hamanis from Make Them Suffer with Safety. So tell me about Relica. Uh, I believe that Relica are going to have the kind of year in 2024 that no one will expect but everyone hopes. They are just such a unique band Mm. in the way that they write and structure their music there's so much melody they're just the most powerful musicians Monique Pym is the best vocalist in Australia Mm. hands down Um, and her stage presence is amazing Um, that safety comes from their, their EP I don't know I don't know what I am. I don't know who I am. Yep. Yep. Um, yep just, it was my favorite EP of, of 2022. And I still listen to it all the time. Um, I, I've seen Relica Alive a, a couple of times and I find that they're the band that I constantly say, you need to go see this band. When I, I, talk to friends. Um, I had friends who went to Froth and Fury in, in Adelaide in November. Um, I'm like, oh, oh no. they're like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to go see Melancholia. I'm like, sick. I love Melancholia. Go see Relica. Don't miss Relica. Um, and everyone who has had the opportunity to see them has come back to me and go, oh, holy shit. They're amazing. Um, yeah, my, I had a couple of friends who saw them support Carnival on the Monolith Festival in 2022 as well. And everyone who's seen them is just absolutely blown away. I think about the cool gigs that they played last year. They got to support Spirit Box at, um, at the Forum. They did the Stadium Arena Tour with Baby Metal. Like, for all of this to be happening for, you know... A, in indie prog metal band is so, so sick. Uh, the fact that they're a band that's put out a record with Anti-Vinyl Vinyl Club, so, so sick. I 
I just want Relica to be seen as being on that level of the absolute titans of the Australian heavy music scene. I spoke earlier about that Loon show that I went to last week and, and how I see them as being three to five years away from being the best heavy band in Australia. I could see Relica doing it in the next 12 months. I, I adore them and I want everyone to adore them. They were actually the first band I saw when I moved to Sydney. So I, I moved to Sydney on the Friday or Thursday I drove up and then I, or I flew up, got the keys and everything, flew back, then drove up and I started work on the Monday. It was a Sunday night. It was the Thornhill and Bloom uh, show uh, playing on a Sunday in Sydney. And I'm like, fuck, I'll just go. Like, I'm just moved. I didn't know anyone. Let's go to this gig. And I didn't know who Relica was at this point. And I walked in early because obviously wanted to see Bloom. Didn't even realize there was another band playing. And it, it was Relica. And I was like, so just impressed. And, and like, this is way better than an opening band should be. <laughs> Um, and then I thought I was, I stumbled onto something pretty great. And then through vinyl community and thing, everyone's talking about Relica and I'm thinking, how did I know about this band? So I think the word just hundred percent people fall in love. I agree. I think, yeah, that's what we hear a lot. Isn't it feels like you've got to go and see Relica. I think they played cult fest as well. Didn't they really smash that, that alpha, alpha wolf festival? Uh, no, no, it was future static. Oh. Future Static, okay. Yeah, Sorry. another um, another sick band doing sick things. Like, yeah, I love Future Static. Their their album is my album of the year last year. Um, yeah, just it, it, just quietly actually talking about obviously Relica working with AVVC. Uh, AVVC have worked with a, a, a quite a lot of bands now, and a few of them I think are, are poised for big things. Like Relica, one of them. Yep. I think Clay J is in for a big year. Um. I think there's just a few, a few, a few cheeky ones that are gonna. I, come I hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. Yeah. Um, but damn, that's that's into the, the playlist. So uh, that was uh, great. Some great stories there, man. Thanks for putting that together. We know it's not easy putting the uh, yeah. ten songs. Uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. Us. Like I, I really wanted to take this in a different direction and and try and give as much insight into me as possible. Uh, so I hope I haven't waffled on too much and talked too much nonsense. And but to everyone who's who's listening to this, I really appreciate the time to um, you know get to know me as a as a music lover, and that's that's all I am is a music lover, and that's why I do what I do and why I love doing what I do, um, just to support the bands. And it's been so fun. It's been so much fun. Thank you guys so much for having me on. It's been our pleasure, mate. And sorry to make to make you do another playlist, and you've got plenty of them to make. So, <laughs> at least you could pick a theme for this one. And um, the stories were really good. So, thanks for sharing those because some of them are pretty close to home and and everything. So, uh, thanks for being vulnerable with us as well because it's been uh, a really good insight, mate. If uh... I'm I'm a big advocate for like mental health awareness and everything, and and the more people who champion it and speak openly and honestly about that kind of stuff, then the more it normalizes everything, the less stigma there is. Uh, and that's why I, I do speak as candidly as I do. So thank you for giving me an opportunity to, to 
have that platform to be able to speak about that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's really cool. We love it. I think when we started this podcast, we would not expect some of the conversations we've had with some, some guests that come on, they've got, they've been quite hard at times. And, uh, I think we didn't even, uh, sometimes we forget, um, you know, all the technical things of doing a podcast and stuff that, you know, these are emotions that these are songs we listen to all the time. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just incredible. But, um, yeah, thank you for being so honest and candid. Uh, oh, my pleasure. I said enough. Um, look, before we, before we, uh, kick off, uh, or head off, should I say, um, uh, anything look, you want to for, for those who don't know, uh, I host a weekly radio show on PBS FM 106.7 here in Melbourne. Uh, it's called Tyrannochorus. I air music interviews, all kinds of nonsense every Tuesday evening from midnight until 2am. Um, you can find me on all the social media platforms, I've got so many cool interviews to come that I haven't announced yet. Um, what what time do you reckon we're going to be at? Is this going to be like pushing three hour mark of, of the pod? I could I could leak some stuff that that won't be announced yet. Uh, sure. Yeah. 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 Um, this will be nearly three hours. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Um, all right. Let's <laughs> let's do some leaking. Uh, so I. I announced my interview with Ben from Neck Deep today. Uh, I'll be announcing my interview with Jesse Barnett from mm-hmm. Stick to Your Guns tomorrow. Nice. Um, I've uh, organized. You are oh, going dude, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I, <laughs> I dared Pikey to do a guest presenter show for his dares that he's doing for the um, Shipbox Rally and stuff. Um, we nice. co-interviewed Eric Smelly Sandin from NoFX. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Pikey's like, that what the awesome. fuck, Ryan? Um, yeah, it's, it's cool. Um, the, I used to freak out whenever I keep getting these email offers and like the more I do them, the more comfortable I get at them. And it's just amazing it's not about me and that took me a little bit to kind of get is that I'm, I'm the vessel for them to have the platform to, to spruik their wares. And it's cool that I've got that platform. Yeah. It's cool that I get to speak to these people, but people follow me or, or listen to my show because I get to do this. They don't listen to me. I'm just some guy. I just talk nonsense. Who cares? Um, but like, it's, it's fucking cool that I get to do what I do. And, um, to everyone who who listens or follows, I appreciate the absolute hell out of you. And yeah, I've got I've got an absolutely stacked next month. So yeah, keep tuned. See, awesome. Uh, well, we'll plug all the links and or all the stuff uh, in the in the header notes and everything. So um, yeah. If you're listening, go and check out the show. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Can't appreciate. I uh, can't like stress how much we appreciate it. In, Absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much, guys. And um, we'll definitely have to organize to get you into PBS Studio so we, we can uh, get this happening on the other side as well. You beauty with keen ass. Beautiful. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. Sweet. Thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful day. And uh, thank you again.
How about that right in? Thanks, Ryan. That was an absolute killer chat. Awesome. And I think some of the songs that we spoke about, I mean, we spoke about it there, but like Gotham City Heart Attack, bands like Bexo Stories, I thought were just so cool. Um, and that's, fuck, it feels good doing mixtapes again because that's what I love about it. You don't know why people pick these songs and it's just, it makes it so much better, I think, um, listening through to them. Yep. And this has probably been the biggest music discovery mixtape for me. I don't know about you, but yeah, some really good new tracks to listen to out of this one. Yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, obviously, Ryan's got a crazy story. Um, big, big journey. Um, listened to a lot of stuff. And then obviously having his own show as well. He just um, articul- articulates himself so well. You can tell he's been doing it for 100 episodes and we're still <laughs> figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you're a real, um, really good role model for the scene, I think. Ryan, you're a positive yeah. dude and uh, really uh, make us feel good having, yeah. having you on. Great. We'll just start wrapping it up before we play so, um, yeah. Safety. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks everyone for listening. Uh, please don't forget to follow, subscribe, and leave a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It helps the show a lot. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at press.con.pod on both platforms. As always, we love the feedback and the conversations generated by these as well. So if there's a song on this mixtape that you love, let us know. If there's one that you don't love, um, maybe don't go to Ryan, but let us know. <laughs> we could talk about it. Um, and just some other plugs. I don't know. I can't remember if we actually put them at the top there, but the day that this comes out, obviously we spoke around the Neck Deep self-titled record at the start. Um, Ryan's actually airing his chat with Ben from Neck Deep uh, tonight on the Tuesday night, the 23rd, or I guess Wednesday, the 24th, depending on how, how particular you are. <laughs> but um, yeah, go and check that out. Go check out his show. We'll drop all the links as well um, to where you need to find that. But yeah, thanks again, Ryan. And uh Enjoy safety uh, by Relica. See you later. We'll see you next week. Experimentation, hyper fixate and panic, blood and brain, oh, I create it. Run into a hole.